Hello, welcome to Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church podcast, Faith in the Word. Here, Pastor Cecil Holloway is bringing you all the spiritual teachings within God's Word. We hope you enjoy. Please share with a friend. And like always, God bless you. of our work. Um, I have a primary care physician at the at the VA who's very concerned about my health and everything and I thank God for that you know and so he referred me to a specialist I had to go to see today and um, I went there and before uh, and I went there I spoke to my body and command healing and everything lined up and, and if anything's going wrong you know let it be exposed so we can catch it early and pray for it and do what we need to do. So I went to the specialist off uh, uh, Dutchman Lane. It's one of those community care things that the VA has uh, outsourced to the community. And he examined me and everything and checked me all out and everything. And these were his exact words. He said, well, Mr. Holloway, you don't have none of the diseases that I have. He said, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, I'll send a report to your PCP and let them know and everything, but uh, you, 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 you okay. You, everything's all right. Words, words. And I came home and told my wife and she said, you need to stop going to those doctors. Cause they say the same thing. Ain't nothing wrong with you. <laughs> Amen. So I praise God for his words his power of his words, the power of our words that we speak things into existence. Amen. All right, let's stand our feet, place the Bibles in the right hand, hold them high above your heads. Somebody say, Pastor, why do you get us to do that? Because the word is the highest authority over us. Amen. So repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. I believe who it says I am. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. And it's proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness and faith. So that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Is this everlasting, uncompromising, indestructible, unmovable? eternal word of God. Amen. You may be seated. I'm just going to do a, a recap from last night for those who uh, were not here. Even though, even if you were here, I, I still do a recap each night. So say, say thank you, Pastor. Appreciate that. All right, we started Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and 23, and talking about faith. We have learned a lot about faith over the years. I have taught so many faith messages about faith, and we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how we get faith, all right? The, the faith is not a denomination, 
All right. When some people, when, pe when a person come up to you and say, what faith are, are you of? In essence, they asking you what group of, of believers and what they believe that you're part of. Well, that's not the God kind of faith. Amen. Mark 11. That's not the God kind of faith. Amen. That's denominational type faith. But God kind of faith is what we see here in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 to 24. And it says, and Jesus answered, said unto him, unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thy removed, be thy cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Verse 24, therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So now go back to verse 23, and this is what we zeroed in on last night. He, Jesus said, this is Jesus, the head of the church, the one who died for you, who shed his blood for you so that you can have eternal life. This is his explanation of the God kind of faith. He said, verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain shall say unto this mountain, be thy removed and be thy cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. What you are saying is what you are having or getting. All right? So we, we, we established that last night, that Jesus said he shall have whatsoever he saith. Then we went to Psalms 141, verse 3. And we, we, we looked at this scripture. It says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. So we found out that we need to set a watch on our mouth. And so that's why I came with, going with the phrase for this teaching, watch your mouth. All right? We need, one translation said we need to set a, a, a centric on our mouth, a guard on our mouth. To, to make sure that we are saying the right thing. Amen. Remember I shared with you last night too, we talked about World War II. They had a phrase that they spoke in World War II that loose lips does what? Sink ships. Loose lips sink ships. So what does that mean? It means that if uh, they did a, a lot of talking or communicating and that the, the enemy can identify their position. Mainly this was done in the Pacific in World War II, the naval area, that they did a lot of talking, communicating, then they could find out where their position was and they'd be able to sink their battleship. So loose lips, constant, continually talking and just saying things, words can sink your ship. We found out that our loose lips can sink our ships can sink our ships of finances, sink our ships of health, relationship, if we don't set a God on our mouths. Amen? Then we went to Proverbs 13 and 3. And it reads, he that keepeth his mouth, keepeth his life. Look at that. He that keepeth his mouth, keepeth his life. So your life is predicated on what you're saying. If you learn how to discipline your mouth, then you will keep your life, all right? 
And he said, he, but he that open, openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. If you're just a constant talker, you're a chatter, you just talk, talk, talk. We found out last night by the Spirit of God that he did not design our mouths just to conversate. All right? We have an understanding of talking or communicating as sharing. We have the social media now that everybody loves to share. All right? Share all kinds of stuff. But God did not design our mouths just to share, just to communicate. Uh, we are the only creatures of God that has the ability to communicate. Now, there are certain animals, certain, uh, um, what you call them things? Birds, yeah, that can, that can mimic, but they do not have the ability to communicate. We're the only one that can speak words, communicate. Why is that? Because God has created us in our mouths, in our communicating through words. Words can create things. Words can create atmosphere. Rare Words can change situations. Words are vehicles. They are transmitters, all right? So God has given us the ability because we're made in the image of God. And we found out in Genesis 1 and 2 that we read, you go over there and read it, it said, God said, God said, God said, God said. And at the end of chapter 2, it said, God saw. And what did God see? Everything he said and everything that God said and saw was good. All right. So I proposed a question to the group last night. Are the things that you're saying that you see, are they good? The things that you're saying on a daily basis, what you're saying is what you can see and are they good? So that's why we have to set a guard on our mouth because God used our mouth to manifest his presence, his power, his anointing, his healing, his gifts, everything, God uses the mouth. Right now, God is using my mouth to minister the anointing of teaching on this word here. So God wants to use your mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, watch your mouth. Amen. We need to <laughs> watch our mouth. So watch every word that comes out of your mouth. Then we went to James chapter one, verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious or pious and bridle not his tongue, but deceiving his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So he's saying here that if you are, you seem to be pious, you seem to, to know God and to have a, religious, a relationship with God, but you don't know how to control your tongue, your relationship with God is in vain, all right? There's two areas when you become born again that I've learned from the word of God and I have experienced in my life that the Holy Spirit wants to get control of or he wants you to give him control of. Those two areas is your pocketbook and your mouth, all right? And that's why being filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in another tongue, that is the area how God, you're allowing God to take control of your mouth. 
And then God wants to take control of your pocketbook because Jesus says, where, where, where a man's treasure is, that's where his heart is. Your heart is with your money. Yes. Your heart is with your money. So if God can get control of your money, he got your heart. Amen. So he wants to get your pocketbook and he wants to get your mouth. All right. So we're not talking about the pocketbook this week. We're talking about the mouth. And so we need to learn how to bridle the tongue, because if we don't learn how to bridle the tongue, then we have useless faith. That's what it means. It says his religious is in vain. It's useless. Your faith is useless because the enemy of your soul works with your words. The enemy of your soul works with your words. Let's see if I can clarify that to more tonight than I did last night. The, the, what, whatever area of your soul, soul is that you're being attacked from the enemy, he will use words or your words to attack your soul. Because remember the soul, the soulless realm consists of the mind, will, the emotion, the intellect. All right, that's not the spiritual part of you. That's the soul. That's where your mind, your will, your emotion, your intellect. So the enemy of your soul works with your words. He will attack the area of your soulless realm through words. All right. So we have to get a revelation about, <coughs> excuse me, how to bridle the tongue, how to give God our mouth or our lips. Put your mouth on the altar and give it to God and to set a God over your mouth. Then we went to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter five. Uh, we really, we got deep in Isaiah. And that's what we left off last night, Isaiah chapter five, verse eight to 11. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Praise God. I'm glad my thoughts are not God's thoughts. Because if my thoughts was like God's thoughts, Sister Tina just missed church one time and I'll kill her. So thank God my thoughts are not God's thoughts. Amen. You know, you know, I, if my thoughts are like God's, if I miss church one time, I'll kill myself. Wait, wait, hold, wait a minute. Hold up. Wait a minute. All right. Why is that? Because we have corrupted thoughts. We have selfish thoughts. We have thoughts that are not like God. Even though we think that some of our thoughts are good thoughts, in, with God's thoughts, they still bad thoughts. Selah. That's why we have to renew the mind. We have to renew the mind with the word, even our good thoughts. Because when we come with our good thoughts, our good thoughts are derived from the tree of good and evil. And the tree of good and evil is still not good. Even if we taking off good thoughts, we think that we are doing a good thing when it comes to God's thoughts, it still is not a good thought. So that's why we have to renew our minds with God's thoughts. He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, said the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, have any, do, do you really, do you really understand, you know, and I say this from time to time for my church, but do you really understand that God is smarter than you? Some people don't believe that. Some people don't believe that God is, God is not smarter than me. You say, why you say that, Pastor? Because if they really believe that God was smarter than them, then they would follow his thoughts. So if you're not following God's thoughts, then in your thought, you think that you're smarter than God. Oh, glory, glory, glory. So you have, you have to examine yourself in the faith. Because this is an indicator to let you know whether you think God is smarter than you. Any crisis that come in your life or situation or circumstances that is bad or disaster, whatever, what is the first thing? Is the, is if the first thing you do, follow your knees and seek God, you're saying God's thoughts, God is smarter than you. But if you don't do that, you are telling God, I'm smarter than he is. That's an indicator of faith. Whatever comes your way, what is the first thing you do? Do you fall on your knees and go to the throne? Or do you sit in your chair and go to the phone? Or do you try to figure it out? And we don't realize that we are saying to him, I'm smarter than you. <laughs> I can figure this out. Oh, hallelujah. That was, that was, that was free. All right. All right, really. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and return not thither, but water the earth and make it, make it bring forth the bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things whereto I sent it. So God said this is his thoughts, his ways, that his word, they'll go forth out of his mouth, and it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things whereto I sent it. God said that that's how his word operates. Child of God, are you born again? That's how your words operate. Because we just read Mark 11, 22, 23 and 24, how God, Jesus taught how, how to have faith in God. Whatever, whatever you say, you shall have whatever you say. So your words will go the same way like this. Our words should go forth, will not return back to us void, but it should accomplish that which I please. That's why we have to be mindful 
over the things that we are saying. We should, we should no longer just haphazardly just talk to be talking. We should, our words should go out and accomplish something. Our words should go and prosper into in the things whereto I sent it. So when we speak now, we should have an understanding that when I speak and I send out words, the words that I sent out, I, I, need, them to, I need for them to accomplish something. That's why I touched on last night about prayer time. Prayer time is the only time of the church that is, you can't get believers to come to. Believers can come to pastor's anniversary, church anniversary, chicken dinners, pig feet dinners, all kind of dinners. But when it comes to prayer time, that's where we get the victory. Hearing the word of God, we get faith. Prayer, we get victory. Prayer is the time that where two or three are gathered together or touch and agree, he's in the midst. God's power is so evident is when we are into touch and agree in prayer. Because during prayer time, that's when we hear from God and he will tell us individuals, circumstances, situations, communities, nations to intercede, to send words out, to accomplish, to prosper when we send them forth. That's why prayer is so powerful. Now, I'm not talking about religious prayer. I'm talking about warfare prayer. That's why prayer is out. That's why we need prayer time. And it's hard to get believers to come to prayer meeting. If I was, if we was having a prayer revival this week, this place would be empty. Because some Christians say, I tried prayer and it didn't work. Well, how do you know it didn't work? How do you know it didn't work? All right. What, what I'm hearing, I'm hearing your doubt and unbelief. Because you don't try prayer, you do prayer. You don't try, you know, I know we have heard some try Jesus. You don't try Jesus. All right? You don't try prayer, you do prayer. And so prayer and understanding the power of our words, then that's when we can get an understanding of prayer time. Prayer time is the time where we sending out stuff and changing things and decreeing things and declaring things and changing circumstances and situation, we send our words out and they should not return back to us void. So God's way is faith-filled words. And that's where we left off last night. Amen. So that's a quick recap. All right. Let's pick up for tonight. Go to do, uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 29. We're still talking about watch your mouth. It is critically important that God wants us to watch our mouths because we are the body of Christ. We are the saints. And we need each other's mouths. 
I need for you to declare and to decree things in my life. You need for me to declare and decree things in your life and into our ministry. Uh, I need for us to declare and decree things into Southeast and return back into Pilgrim. God need our mouths. God works and operates through the power of the tongue. All right? So we need to pray for one another. And in praying for one another, you know, uh, you know, don't, you know, don't come up with, with a generic type prayer. When we, when we mean pray for one another, I mean declare some things to one another in our lives. Decree some things. Release words, power in, in, in uh, each other's lives. That's why we need each other. So that's why he says in Ephesians 4, 29, he said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, building up, that's what edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. So he said, let no corrupt communication uh, proceed out of our mouth. What he's talking about, corrupt communication. You should not be venting. Get rid of the term, I'm just saying. Get rid of that. Get that out of your, 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 your faith vocabulary. What do you mean you just saying? You should know what you, you, you're saying. You should, I just say, all right? Because remember, there's power in our words. So he said, let no corrupt communication preside. So you should not be venting. Venting is corrupt communication. Venting is evil. I had a pastor said to me years ago, he said, you know what, Brother Holloway? I believe that God gave our wives to vent to. That was the purpose of the wife. It's like, are you serious? Yeah. No, don't, don't vent. Venting is corrupt communication. Venting is short-circuiting the power of God in your life. You should not be you look at, look at he said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. So we should speak words of edification. We should speak words to one another to build each other up. But even before we get to that point, first of all, let's start off. You should speak words to yourself to build you up. Don't vent to yourself. Don't have strife with yourself. You should speak words of edification not only to others, but first of all, to yourself. You should, build, you should build yourself up from the word of God. For example, the word, I, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm blessed going in, blessed coming out. I'm the head and not the tail. You're speaking words of edification. You, you, you're building yourself up. So, so you should not allow any corrupt communication come out of your mouth to others or to yourself. All right, so quit speaking bad things to yourself. Quit saying to yourself, you're ugly. 
quit saying to yourself, you're not worthy. You're not good as you're not you, you, you don't have you're not educated enough. You can't quit speaking. Those are corrupt. Those are evil speakings. And where evilness is present, God is not present. Are y'all hearing me? So quit speaking. He said, look at this. But that which is good to the use of the edifier, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. You are a hearer. <laughs> when you are speaking these corrupt things to yourself, you are hearing yourself. You're not ministering grace to yourself. Grace is more than just God's unmerited favor. Grace is God's ability to do something in a life where you have no ability to do it. So he says here, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. You are the hearer. So speak good things to yourself. Remember, I think it was what, last week, we talked about the do good seed. And we read over there in Philemon that it said that acknowledge every good thing that is in you. There is good. If you're born again, there is good in you. What is the good that is in you? Jesus. The word. If you're depositing the word of God into your spirit, the word is good. Psalms 34 and 8 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. It didn't say, oh, taste and see the Lord is bad. It said, oh, taste and see the Lord. How do we taste and see that the Lord is good? How do we do that? How do we actually do that when we speak good things of the goodness of God's word to ourselves and to others? And in doing that, we'll be able to see the grace of God will be evident in your life and in, into someone else's life. So he said, administer grace unto the hearer. Okay. Some of y'all didn't like that one. Let's, just, let's go to Psalms 8. Let's try Psalms 8. Maybe that might help. Hallelujah. Psalms 8. Now look at this. Now I want you to lock in. This might mess up your religious theology, and that's okay. That's my job. Psalms 8, verse 1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and suckling has thou ordained strength. Where is strength going to come from? Out of your mouth, what you saying? He says, out of the mouths of babes and suckling, thou has ordained strength. Not only it has ordained strength, not only we will get strength, based on the things that are coming out of our mouth. But look at it. Because of thy enemy, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When you speak the things of God and the right words, you can also gain strength 
strength and you can stop the devil. Look what he says. That thou, no, go back. That thou may steal the enemy and the avenger out of the mouth of babes and suckling that has thou, God has ordained this, that out of our mouths when we speak the word of God and the things of God, it will give us strength and we'll be able to avenge the enemy and stop the enemy and the avenger. Now look at this, verse 3. When I consider thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, look at that, what is man that thou art mindful of him? What is it about this? This is what the angels are perplexed when it comes to us. They look at us and they ask God, what is it about this man that your mind is full of him? What is it about this man? Why is that? Why do they do that? Because angels cannot just say what they want to say. One angel tried that, and look what it got him. So the other angels, they saw because uh, Lucifer said in the book of Ezekiel, I shall ascend to the most high. I shall be the most high. He started speaking words that he had no authority to speak. So angels cannot just say, angels only respond to the words that we say. Because in the book of Hebrews, it says they are ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. We are the heirs of salvation. So angels cannot just say what they want to say. They only say what God tells them to say. That's why you read different accounts in the scriptures when angels appear to certain people, they, they said what God said. When the angel came to Mary, he said what God said. All right? The angel didn't say to Mary, so what do you think about this? You think maybe uh, you really uh, qualified to have the Son of God? No. They only could speak what God said because if they speak anything else from what God tells them to say, they are now exercising unauthorized words. And that's what got Lucifer into trouble because he started speaking unauthorized words. He started speaking. Remember, oh, glory. Help us, help us, help us. Lord. Lucifer, angels and Lucifer are not deity. They are not part of the Godhead. And, 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 and cast that stuff down at the world. And when your loved one die, they're going to become an angel. They don't cut no angel. Quit believing, those, quit believing those lies. Why do we believe these? Why is it you believe those lies, but you can't believe what I'm teaching you? You don't become an angel. If we became angels, that's a step down. We have authority over angels. Angels are not part of the Godhead. They're not deity. In the Godhead, there's God the Father, 
God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, then you. We're part of deity. We have angels were not made in the image of God. They were created beings from God. We were, we, God spoke to himself and said, man in me be. That's the Hebrew term of that. And Adam came out of God. And then he created this earth suit. He breathed the spirit of Adam into this earth suit, which is a physical body, so that he can exist in this realm. And so God noticed that Adam needed a help me. So what did God do? <laughs> oh, glory. God did not, he did not speak into himself. He spoke into Adam and brought a man with a womb, a woman. So we're part of deity. We're not, we're not angels. You're not going to die and become, you're not going to get wings. We ain't got no wings. Quit believing that garbage. Quit believing those people that have those, 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 uh, those headstones and they have their loved ones. They got wings. We ain't, I ain't got no wings. I'm part of, I'm, we're going to have a resurrected body. And our spirit is regenerated. I'm not, I ain't got no wings. We're going to be just like Jesus. When Jesus was here before he ascended, he just walked through matter. Walked through the wall. All right? You can't walk through no wall. You got wings. Wings bumping into stuff. And not, no. Quit believing the lies of Satan. We do not die and have you, your loved one did not die. And oh, every now they're angels, they're angels in heaven. No, they're not. We're part of sonship. So that's why these angels are saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and a son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast. See, that's what, we need Bible study. <laughs> it says, but thou has made him a little lower than angels. Now, so, so now say, well, that, there you go, pastor. It says that we made a little lower than angel. That word angel in the Hebrew is Elohim, which is the Godhead. King James, 1611 language kind of really messes up on stuff. That's why you got to study and stuff. He said, for thou hast made man a little lower than Elohim. And not only God made us a little lower. That's why I said we are in that fourth category of the Godhead. And then he said, and has crowned him. God has crowned man. Crown, what's a crown? It's the top of the head, the head of authority. Crown him with glory and with honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hand. Thou hast put all things under his feet. I think that's it, right? So what is he talking about here? This is sonship. This is sonship. 
You're born again. We are part of sonship. Yes, ladies, you are part of, you want to become a son of God. That means a sonship covenant term. You're part of family. This is sonship with power and with words. So angels do not have the privilege to choose their own words. But we do. We have, it is a privilege to choose our own words. Why is that? Because the Bible says that he is king of kings, lord of lords. We are the little kings. How does a king reign? A king reigns by words. When a king wants something, he just speak it and it's done. When a king, a king declares and decrees. So we are in sonship. We are, he's king of kings. We are little kings. So how do we reign in life? We reign as kings by declaring and decreeing words. That's authority and that's the power. He has crowned us with glory and honor. We really don't know who we are. God has crowned us with glory and with honor. I like what Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8. He says that we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. Not only wherever, we are joint heirs with Jesus. Whatever Jesus asks of the Father, so can we. That's why Paul said we come boldly before the throne of grace. We don't come in as unworthy worms and I'm not worthy. No, we come boldly. And word boldly from the King James is we come with confidence that I am a child of the living God. I am born again. I am God's child. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've been crowned with glory and with honor. I reign as a king. I reign as a priest. I reign as a prophet of God that I prophesied, I declare, and I decree that I speak to those dry bones and I tell them to live again. Whatever dry bones in your area, whether it's your, in your life, in your finances, in your health, in your relationship, as a king, and he's the king of kings, we've been crowned with authority that I can speak to those dry bones and tell those dry bones to live again. That's understanding the power of our words. Now, if you struggle in this and understand the power of your words, a lot of times Christians will struggle with this mainly because <laughs> if you lie, if you have a tendency to lie, then you're not going to 
understand the power. You don't, you will not understand that your words have power and glory. So that's why Paul said, put aside lying. Don't lie. Because if you are a liar, you lie, whether it's a white lie or a black lie or an insignificant lie or a joke lie, you will have struggles in understanding the power of because you, if you're a liar, then you won't, not only you, you, will, you, will, you won't believe what God says, you ain't going to believe what you say because you're a liar. The Bible says by two immutable things, God cannot lie. So we are supposed to put away lying. Lying causes deception. You are deceiving the person you lying to, or if you lie to yourself, <laughs> you're deceiving yourself. So lying will hinder your understanding of the power of your words. So quit lying if you're lying. Lord told me that years ago about lying and everything. And, uh, <laughs> and when, when, when your flesh lies, how do you stop lying? You got to bust your flesh out. You got to call it out right there, there. And I mean, one time I came home for something, something, and my wife asked, something, asked me about something, and I told her, and, I, and God was dealing with me on this, just this aspect I'm teaching on. And I said, you know what, baby? I just told you a bold-faced lie. See, you call your flesh out like that? Your flesh will stop lying. And when I said that, she said, oh! <laughs> I said, hey, the Lord's been teaching me because sometimes we, when we lie, we don't think that we're deceiving. We think that either we, we're protecting or, or it's not nothing that's really that big, whatever. But a lie is still a lie. So to help myself to get delivered from lying, all right, that's why, I, that's, <laughs> that's, that's why some people, you know, you know, have difficult with me because they say, you, you just, you just so blunt. You just tell it like it is. Well, God, God delivered me from lying, so I can't lie no more. I, I, I can't lie. So, you know, like, you know, my wife, they fix a meal, whatever, and she said, you know, do you, 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 what do you think? You like that? I said, that was the horrible mess I ever ate in my life. Oh! I said, what did you want me to do? You wanted me to lie? And by me saying that, my intent was not to hurt her feelings. She asked me a question. And what, uh, what, what, you know, my aunt, my response was supposed to be what? To tell her the truth. Or should I have told her a lie? So if I told her a lie, see, in time passed before, before I got the revelation on this, I used to tell her a lie. She asked, how, how was that? I said, baby, that was wonderful. That was great. And knowing my stomach was turning, 
and it was nasty, but I, I didn't want her to fix Oh, it was wonderful until God dealt with me with this. If you don't get a hold of this, you will not be able to execute the power of your words if you're lying. So from that day forward, moving forward, I said, I'm not, I'm not lying no more. She asked me a question. I'm going to tell her the truth. And my intent is not to hurt her feelings, okay? Because this is what I shared with her. I said, listen, if you don't want your feelings to be hurt, don't ask me any questions. Don't ask me. Then your feelings won't get hurt, all right? But God was between her, and so she, you know, her, her, her feelings didn't get hurt. She, she wanted to know the truth because my wife liked to, she likes to make meals that are pleasing to people. That, that gives her joy. So when I, when I share her with the truth, she, she knows, okay, hey, my husband going to tell me the truth. That, that wasn't good. I got to work on it. I got to fix that up, whatever. It, it's no longer, it's no longer a hurt. It's true. See, when God gives you the word, see, some of y'all want, want God to lie to y'all. And when God gives you the word, when God said, quit fornicating, you, you get hurt. <laughs> you know, when the word said, don't, don't stop fornicating. All right? Stop sin. Stop masturbating. All right, and do we want to work with each other? What? But we don't want to hear that. Quit looking at that porn on, on, on the computer. Holy Ghost. Because you see, what I've learned about God, when God deals with you quietly and behind the scenes, that's his grace and mercy. So he wants you to yield, especially, especially, especially if you're in a position of ministry. And if you quit resisting God and you don't heed to it, then God got to bust you out open. Then you be in your office watching porn, and then the church secretary come in and say, oh! This, this is real stuff. See, when we see our spiritual leaders fall, they just didn't one day wake up and fell. God was dealing with them for years, and they refused. Get rid of the pornography. God telling you the truth. Pornography, masturbation, that's a sin. Whether it's male or female doing it, it's a sin. Tell me a lie. It's a sin. All right? So if you're battling with that sin, the word of God can bring you deliverance out of it through your words. You can take authority over that sin. And cast that out and take authority over it. But to understand the power of word, you have to, you have to love truth. And truth hurts sometimes. But I want to get hold of the power of my words. Because I because if God cannot empower me and trust me that I can speak words for somebody's healing if I'm a liar. That's why he said to what? Watch your mouth. 
Ooh, Jesus, man. I hope y'all come back tomorrow night. All right. Go to Matthew chapter 12. Ooh, this is stuff we need to hear at the church so we can get victory. We need to intercede and cover up our brothers in the ministry. There's a whole lot of brothers in the ministry are dealing with pornography. They struggling. But they are so, they don't. One thing about ministry that I have learned is, is it's hard to find trusting people in ministry. People that you can be transparent with, that you, you're struggling with, you know, because, and, and, and that's why a lot of uh, people in ministry, they, they, they cover up their stuff and they're and, and they struggling because there's not too many people in ministry that you can trust and to say, you know, they're anointed. Remember, I, I, I told you the anointing that is on a person is for the people. Their character and their integrity is between them and God. All right? So you can, you can be in sin and be anointed. You can be deep in sin. Look at King David. He was anointed king of Israel, but he was a whoremonger, an adulterer, a murderer. And his, his, his character, his integrity was between him and God, but his anointing that was on his life was for the people. And so when you, when you honestly really seeking God for deliverance, you have to work on your integrity and your, in, your character for yourself. You got to deal with it. You and God had to deal with himself. And God will send individuals that are trusting to help you with your character and your integrity. That's why God sent the prophet Nathan to David. And that's why God said that David was a man after my own heart. What does it mean that whenever David got corrected or rebuked, not for the anointing that was on his life, but for his character issues. David always repented. So that's why God spared David from a lot of stuff, because David never hardened his heart. When Nathan came to him, the prophet Nathan came to him and corrected him of his integrity and his character, he repented. And so, like I said, in ministry, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to find people that are trusting, who that, that you could be transparent with, that God can use them to help you with your integrity and your character. Hallelujah. So there's a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers, evangelists, Sunday school teachers, everything that are battling with that sexual demonic sin. But they don't, they do not have trustworthy people in the body of Christ that can help them. God wanted them to be, God wants want them to be helped. 
want them to be delivered because God has chosen. They are a chosen vessel of God. God has anointed them. Remember David said about Saul, that Saul integrity and his character went ballistic. He would not allow God to deal with it, but he still was anointed. And David said, I'm not going to touch him because he was God's anointed. His character, his integrity is between him and God. So there's a lot of preachers out there, and that's why we see preachers fall. And then when preachers fall because of the body of Christ gets their marching orders from the world instead of from the word, when that preachers fall, see, I tell you them preachers were no good. I told you, I told and not realizing that preacher was battling with that sin for years and years, but there was nobody who was trustworthy or that they could be transparent to that God could work through to restore that man or woman of God. Are you seeing this? So we all have been given a ministry. It may not be the fivefold ministry gift, but we all have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are supposed to reconcile each other. When we are battling with sin, there's a difference between battling in sin and living in sin. If you're battling in sin, you, 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 you're seeking God to help you to overcome it. Now, if you're living in sin, you just, you just gave up. But both individuals can be saved, all right? Both individuals can become a prodigal son to return back to his father's house, all right? But when those prodigal sons and daughters come back because they were in sin, then they come back to the father's house, a lot of us are like the son that was at home who was bitter, who didn't know his righteousness. And he told his father, you never gave me a fatty calf. You never gave me a ring. You never gave me a robe. And what did the father say? What did God say? If you would have asked, you could have had it. So we have to, to watch our mouth. What did I tell you go? Matthew 12? Okay. Ah, oh, Jesus. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Or? Do we need to watch uh, Scooby-Doo uh, videos? No. <laughs> Matthew chapter 12. Oh, glory. Say, how can you preach like that, Pastor? Because I've been there. I'm, I'm delivered. I've been there. That's why... I, you only can preach what you have experienced, what God has delivered you from, what God has set you free. When God has anointed you, then you can preach it with conviction. And I can preach it to help someone else. And somebody will say, man, Pastor Holloway went through there and God helped him. There's hope for me. That's how those guys were in Marion County Prison. I was so transparent to those guys that they was, they was, oh man, there's hope because people, especially men, they looking for hope. And you got so many preachers that are so pious, so erudite. 
they speak King James. Like J Jesus didn't speak King James. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't speak NIV, Amplified, none of that stuff. But when you go, especially when you go in prison ministry, in prison ministry, you got to be for real. Because what those guys, those guys, they got all that free time, and that's all they do is study the word. So you can't go into prison ministry and be religious or be pious or you so high up. You have to be real, and they can tell if you're real or not. I love prison ministry. Well, there's more shouting and praising God in prison than regular some churches. They got praise and worship going on, and they are they hungry for the word. And you got to be real in prison. I don't know how I got off on all that. Man. Matthew 12, verse 36. But I say unto you, this is Jesus. It's not in the red, but normally it's in the red. That, <laughs> excuse me, that every idle word that men shall speak, they should do what? They should give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Go back to 36. But I say unto you that every idle word, that word idle in the Greek means non-working, inactive words. It also has a Greek meaning of unemployed. What is a unemployed person? They ain't working. So that's what he's saying. But I say unto you that every unemployed word, every word that is not working, and we say a lot of stuff that is non-working, inactive, and unemployed, every, that every unemployed word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. What is that day of judgment? Verse 37. For by the words thou shalt be justified. By your words you shall be justified. Okay, that word justified means declared righteous. For by thy words thou shalt be justified. All right. And by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So Jesus is not going to justify you. And the devil's not going to condemn you. You're only going to be justified or condemned by what you say. Are you hearing me? You're only going to be justified if you speaking God's word, you will be justified. If you're speaking anything that's contrary to God's word, you're going to be condemned. Now, Paul says the book of Romans, therefore now there is no condemnation to those who, who, who does not work in the flesh, walk in the flesh, 
Well, in the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. A lot of people like to quote that there's now no condemnation who do not work or walk in the flesh. How do we walk in the flesh when you are speaking condemnation words? But if you're speaking God's word, then you're walking in the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Because we are justified by our words and we are condemned by our words. Hallelujah. Did y'all get anything out of this? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We got one more, one more. Thanks for listening to Faith in the Word podcast. If the Word of God has been a blessing to you today and you want to give unto the ministry, please feel free. Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church, 600 Bellwood Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40223. Or email Pastor Holloway directly at Cecil Holloway at yahoo.com with more options for electronic giving. Thanks for listening. Stay in faith and be blessed.